Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though, let's dive right in. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth and today I'm talking to Jade Mira, Head of Marketing at F5, about Jade's experience working at both successful fast-growing startups and established complex organizations as a B2B marketer. We're going to explore how she has been able to hone different B2B marketing skills in these different organizations and what her advice is for marketers to better adopt to uh, the realities of these different roles. Jade, on that note, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shaheen. So I'm really good to be here. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm super excited about this because, you know, we were, we were talking about needing different skills and different capabilities at different stages of an organization. We were actually talking about with this with Alex of how, you know, an organization would go and get a, uh, maybe a series A CEO, and then they would get a CEO that is going to take them public. And if you put the CEO that is going to take you public in the series, the person who's going to do the series A stuff, it probably will fail and vice versa. And, uh, and it's a really fascinating topic. So I want to start here. Startup versus enterprise, right? How do, you, how do you define the two from a B2B marketing perspective? I think what you just mentioned there, like, you know, there tends to be, there tends to be, you know, as I said, startup CEOs, startup marketers, like marketers that go from, you know, series, pre-IPO series funding, then go on to their next startup. And then there's marketers that sort of cross cross the chasm with the company and bridge both gaps. So what I'm talking about today is and what I've found is you can do both and you gain different skills in obviously joining different stages of the company life cycle. So what I would say is I define the difference between a startup and an enterprise marketing role is that uh, if you're in a startup marketing role, you're effectively working for a company that's intending to list on any stock exchange and is usually in stages of um, funding from venture capitalists. So it could be series A, series B, series D, C. So they have a new and novel concept or product they're wanting to bring to market. And as a marketer, your role is to help bring that product to market, help grow, um, grow share from them and grow the company. In comparison, a role in enterprise for a marketer is you're really entrenched in a well-established, listed, publicly listed, proven company. They have accountability to the market through that public listing. Um, they have incumbency with a significant user base, and they have sort of proved their worth and gained that sort of customer love. So, you know, age isn't really how I define this. They could be five years old, they could be 50 years old, they could be 500 years old. It doesn't really matter as much as the concept of being publicly accountable and having widespread user acceptance. So in both of these situations, it presents very different opportunities and uh, a different kind of environment for the marketer working in in these two different um, environments. So another thing is 
some defined startup by employee size. A lot of young marketers come to me and say, you know, oh, you know, there's a startup, it's like five people, I'm right, it's really small, or, or, or the comment is, you know, I'd like to get in a big company with lots of employees, that's the size, you know, makes, adds some uh, layer of conviction on top. But I don't think size in terms of employees has a lot to do with, uh, you know, whether it's a startup or an enterprise. Uh, there are startups with sometimes thousands of employees and there is um, enterprises that, you know, that, that are well-established and have legacy and incumbency and that they can be quite small and agile. So startups also isn't a culture. I think we got used to defining startups culture by, you know, to, you know, football tables, free soda, you know, beer, beer and um, pretzels on a Friday. But that kind of culture has permeated most mainstream companies now because companies have really woken up and realised uh, we need to make sure employees are happy. The war for talent um, is definitely there and, and people realise and companies have realised that employees have lives and they like to be their authentic self and bring their authentic self to work. So, again, it's not a culture it's not employee size. It's really that stage of incumbency acceptance. And, and that's where it's exciting for a marketer because you can pick, am I going to go in and grow something that's well-known, well-loved, has incumbency, has heaps of users? And that presents a challenge in itself. Or do you go and say, this is so new, no one's heard of it before. I'm going to come in, I'm going to put my name on that and that's going to be mine. And that's another really exciting opportunity as well. So yeah, I've done both. And I think there's definite, you know, there's definite pros and cons for each. And, you know, I'm here to sort of guide young marketers on their journey and say there's there's good reasons to jump into both camps at different stages of your career. So yeah. And bad reasons to jump uh, in, <laughs> in, the, in both. So let's, let's I want to start with the, the startup world, right? What, what should a B2B marketer going into, you know, a Series A, Series B, Series C kind of startup expect in, in, in your opinion and in, in your experience? Yeah, yeah, in my experience. I mean, my initial advice would be don't go into a startup if you are not expecting to do a lot, you know, a lot of hard work. And um, because, the, you know, usually they're building and they're in that phase of, you know, expansion and growth. There is, there is a fair amount of work to do and there is no sort of, you know, cascading or there's no hierarchy. So everyone's got to be kind of happy to roll the sleeves, put your, put, put your hard work in and, and really kind of not, not accept that there's going to be a huge team to pick up the slack or do, do things, which I suppose in enterprise you may have, um, you know, someone else that takes care of that role. So there is a lot of start pressure. You're also bringing an unknown concept to market. So there is a bit of uncertainty around that. There's obviously... So brand acceptance isn't there just yet. And usually these companies are growing. So their tools and systems are frequently changing. The systems that, that you know, your MarTech stack might be, look like one thing today. And then, you know what, you cycle and, and try another one tomorrow. So I think that growth curve is exponential and you have to be flexible and really, you know, good with change. The company will be recruiting fast. Like a lot of startups start to, you know, once they hit to start that growth curve, they start to recruit exponentially. So you'll be adding new teammates pretty rapidly and you're seeing a lot of changes in um, with regards to the hierarchy and the structure of the company. So again, I just, I can't stress more than enough. Willing to, you know, sort of get in, get stuck in, do, do that sort of, do, do all the work, but also accept that change is inevitable and there'll be rapid change and you have to embrace it and sort of um, 
kind of relish it. With that rapid change, there's real opportunity for you as a, as a younger marketer to kind of ascend and be promoted quite quickly. I'm not guaranteeing that, but because, because it does grow a lot more quicker and there is um, more expansion, there's obviously that opportunity there that's possible. So again, adaptability, flexible change. So I think just riding out that sort of that really kind of crazy ride, being grounded in yourself, knowing and believing in the company and the vision is really, really important. And above and beyond, it's like the excitement of building something new because you're actually, as a marketer, you're in that engine room, you're at the coalface, you're building the company, you're actually building the brand you're going out to market and helping connect customers to this new and novel solution. So I really think that's that's quite intoxicating. And I think um, once you've you've done one, you probably would want to do more and you can um, really see how it, it can become a really viable, like long-term career path for a lot of marketers who just, as I said, do, do startup after startup. I love that. I love that. I think, uh, yeah, the, your, your impact is a lot larger and that's most both exciting and scary at the same time because if you mess it up it's uh it, it it's on you and you can immediately see the results i think it was uh i think i was reading a book and and it was i think and mark andreessen who said uh, he's like in startup world there's usually two states of being it's either euphoria or uh, paranoia and uh, lack of lack of sleep exacerbates both of them and uh and i feel like that's that's also the case whether that's well, that might be the case for founder but that's also the case for 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 marketers as well so i i love that all right so how is flipping to the other side of it right paint us a little bit of a picture about the enterprise space how is that different in the enterprise space yeah and you know it is different i think you can have like a hybrid of, of both. At the moment in my role, I work for F5, which is, you know, a 25-year-old company, but we have acquired a lot of companies in the last three years. And that's one of the reasons why I joined is because there was an opportunity to work in enterprise, but then be acquiring startups and launching startups from within that company. So you can have a hybrid of both, but effectively an enterprise is a company that's, you know, it's a publicly accountable listed usually has incumbency. So people are aware of the solution. They have brand awareness. They have acceptance in the market. It's it's amazing and it's great when you, you know, are known as a leader in your field. So you're not a challenger brand. You're like, Number one, um, that's the ultimate enterprise situation. And usually in that situation, you'd be going out and then marketing new features and solutions. And I always liken it to you're kind of when, when you're taking on a role like this, you're, you're in a car that has imagine you're not your first car, not your Datsun 120 why you were given by your dad to learn in, but you, you, you're in the latest and greatest kind of the Dub or Maserati and it's got all like the, the tech you need. It will tell you, you know, it's got loads of widgets telling you how hot your seat is what the you know, velocity of the road ahead is, the air temperature outside, how humid it is, how long it will take you to get to your destination, how you can cut five minutes off your, your journey. I mean, that's a little bit of a, an exaggeration, but everything kind of works and you've got all of these kind of inputs which help you do your job a little bit better. And, and that's really, I suppose, what being a, being a company that has incumbency, has data, has customers, uh, customer legacy, they really can offer you because you have a platform, you have you have data, which is a lifeblood of any company, and that's over years and years of obviously establishing a cadence with these customers, you know, selling them products, building relationship with them. So, um, yeah, you're in this position where you can take that and you can also then 
grow the company even more. So I think compared to a startup where you're probably just saying you're building a lot as you go, you're coming in, you've got a lot more tools at your disposal, you've got customer data, you've got history, you've got a brand that's recognized. And then sometimes like I am in my current role, tasked with launching new products, new solutions to market within that customer base, which is also quite exciting. Yeah, I suppose the question, um, again, and I think it's also naive to assume that all enterprises are using this customer data really effectively. In, in, in the best instance, yes, they're absolutely using it and they're absolutely, you know, savvy marketers have this amazing Maserati of toolkit at their disposal. And then in its, its worst form, they're, they're not really capitalizing that. They've got rivers of data, but it's unstructured and they, they don't really have sort of a customer success team um, checking in with their customers or effective ABM strategy doubling down and, and marketing into their key accounts. So I'd be asking if I was a, a young um, marketer going in and saying, okay, I'm going to go into enterprise now and I really want to learn the ropes and have this amazing Swiss Swiss army knife toolkit at my disposal to learn the ropes about going much deeper into an account and building an ABM strategy and building, you know, customer attention. I'd be asking those sort of questions in the interview, like, you know, explain your ABM strategy to me. How are you segmenting your database to go to market model look like? What data analytics and data modeling tools are you currently using, et cetera, et cetera. So really sort of making sure there is that best practice there and they are using their data as, as, as well as possible. Love it. Love it. I mean, first of all, it sounds like you, you, you know, your cars, um, <laughs> I'd say that, but, uh, but no, that's a, that's a really, really interesting picture of, of the enterprise world. You know, what, what do you think in terms of how marketers should change the way that they think about their customers from a from an enterprise perspective versus a startup side? How, how do you think that, that change needs to happen? Mm, yeah, well, I would say there shouldn't really be any difference in your thinking when it comes to customers. I think, mm. you know, an enterprise versus, versus startup, in both cases, you should be customer obsessed. And in both cases, you should be always asking yourself that so what question like so what what does this really mean for the customer always play devil's advocate with your marketing always ask yourself the question yeah but what is this to the customer the only difference i'd say is in a startup it's that you're unknown so you have to work much harder to gain trust Australians are known as early adopters in tech, but they still are quite conservative with taking on new tech that's unproven. So there needs to be a certain amount of reassurance, a certain amount of, okay, I have a level of comfort with taking on that and a bit of conviction. So they, don't, they just want to know if I'm going to invest and I'm going to train my team if I'm going to deploy this tech that you're not you're here not here today gone tomorrow and that you'll be around uh, for a while. So gaining analyst recognition. So think, you know, Gartner Magic Quadrant, customer stories, press coverage, you know, seeing monkey see, monkey do, seeing other big companies using your tech and, and singing its praises really, really helps. So when I first joined Nutanix, one of my sort of goals I set myself was to produce one customer story a month. So one customer testimonial talking about how they were using the tech, just to raise awareness of the different use cases and um, the verticals we we're covering. And, you know, over the first year, 20 months producing 20 different customer stories. Yeah, it was, it was hard work. That was really important in terms of gaining credibility and trust because you were leveraging one. So you'd go out and one customer would say, hey, I'm using this and it solves this problem for me. And then another customer 
you, you, you're in a POC or you're trying to um, close another deal and then you get them on the phone and you triangulate and you're like, hey, they're using your tech and they're in a similar sort of industry. And then it grows and you've got such, you've got such critical mass, you've got the same verticals talking to each other. So universities or banks or... So that to me is exceptionally point. That would be a key point I'd say to any startup marketer is get good at knowing your customers and knowing the solutions and how they solve the customer's needs. And I would sit personally in all those interviews and, and help conduct them with the agency, the peer agency in the beginning, because I needed to have that understanding of, of how different industries were using a product. Um, so getting really close to that and, and understanding that. I love that. And I, I think that's something that a lot of marketers don't do enough of, right? Of sitting down with, with customers and, and speaking to them, getting, getting into their world and what they go through and so on and so forth. I, you know, I also, one of the things that is, is quite evident in the enterprise space is the opportunities for upsell and cross-sell where it might not be as, as available in the startup scene, right? How, how have you dealt with where, you know, startups are usually most cases are, you know, one product and, you know, for one use case, and then you enterprise, they either have acquired multiple different products to kind of increase the, uh, the amount of revenue that they can get from a, from one customer, or they've built it themselves. So therefore there are multiple value props for, for an organization. How, you know, how have you balanced those, uh, that, that component between startup and the, and the, uh, and the enterprise world and what kind of advice do you have for people on that side? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I look back at um, the one product sell and you're like, oh gosh, that's <laughs> that sounds amazing. You know, you've got one product, <laughs> one use case. But as I said, that's when you really double down and then you start to expand and you look at all different verticals and segments. And, you know, it's not it, definitely in the case of all the startups I work for, they all, they started to expand. So Nutanix ended up um purchasing and acquiring other companies too and brought other products to the table. So that's where it started to get a little more tricky because, you know, your core product was not just your main sell anymore or the core product was evolving. So you went from hardware to software and you went from, you know, on-prem to cloud. So there's there's definitely changes in that. And I said, you know, I'll go back to the that that point I made before about rapid evolution of change, you know, you're going to learn in a startup that you have to be easy to adapt and, and change course. Uh, but you're right, in an enterprise, you have multiple different, you know, products and solutions to market. And sometimes it's it's um it's hard to sort of keep score and actually look at look at everything and um from a bird's eye view. But then usually the larger the company, you'd have certain specialists helping you within each of those different product groups and helping you with the use cases and marketing. You're sort of pulling everything together and um, going out as one company. And I can't, yeah, I can't really diminish the importance of, I think companies tend to, as they get bigger and add all these different products to their suite, suite of tools, they tend to lose sight of that one company story. And that's really important to maintain as well. You know, what is, what is your, you know, what is your main value prop as a company? Why should other companies partner with you? Don't lose sight of that and become so myopic and become feature obsessed and start talking about this one product before we actually talk about the story because people love and trust companies and the people that work for them. And yes, you know, we need a, we need a tool to solve a certain problem. That's very important. But, uh, you know, I always bring it back to you, like, why would you partner with us? Why would you partner with F5 versus, you know, why do you need this specific point point solution? Got it. Got it. The last thing that I want to ask you is, is what kind of advice would you give to kind of young B2B marketers, right? Having gone through and worked with early stage startups and enterprise organizations, 
if I was a young marketer and I wanted to kind of get into the B2B space, what would you, you know, what would be your recommendation of where should I start and what should I start? What should I be thinking about? I would definitely say find your, it's a bit contrite and it's like anything in life, it's like find your passion, but find your passion, find what you actually really are passionate about and what you can maintain interest in talking about eight to 12 hours a day. It gets really boring really quick if you're sitting on many, many calls. And as I said before, sitting on customer calls, trying to understand the tech, you're not really that interested in the problem it's solving or what it does. So in B2B, you've got a plethora of different avenues you can take. You can go into, you know, finance, you could look at tech, you could do uh, professional services, utilities, telco. There's just, there's so many different areas for you to actually specialize in. I would say take some time, maybe work in a few different environments and then work out what your real passion is. So what I did is I went firstly into telco and then went out to consumer tech. And then I kind of realized that enterprise tech was really where I wanted to head. So at 27, I took a 30% pay cut and I jumped on board to work, went to work for an IT distributor, marketing an enterprise solutions portfolio. And in that job, I got access to like 26 of the major enterprise vendors at the time. It was a really good way to learn the ropes. It was a really good way to build relationships in that industry, in all those different vendors. And that was the best decision I ever made. You know, And that's where I really found my space. So I would say a young marketer, go and try a few different industries, find where your sweet spot is, and then really kind of hone in on that. And I suppose you'll have that light bulb moment where you realize, okay, no, this is for me. I think for me, I always had aspirations of developing software. I was a bit of a gamer when I was young. Like it's something, you know, personality wise, it just gelled with me as in I had that creative side, but I also love tech and how things worked. Like you mentioned about cars, I used to do up cars and play with my dad in the shed and make, you know, pull things apart and respray, you know, old cars and, and renovate them. So I always had this mechanical kind of tech side to my brain that I really loved, you know, understanding how things work. So I really feel like all of those things coalesced when I, when I ended up finding this sort of sweet spot for me. So you'll like, as I said, you'll find that sweet spot, young market as well. It's just tr- testing and trialing a few things. Got it. Got it. No, that's a, that's a really good advice. Okay. I have a few rapid fire questions that I want to ask you. Are you good to go, go through them? Yeah, sure. Should we do it? All right. So the first thing I want to ask you is what is one book or resource that uh, it could be, you know, podcast, talk, whatever it is, what one resource that has really changed the way you, you work or live? Yes. Yeah. A podcast or a talk or a, a, probably a book, but I think he's, it's now, yeah, come out. You can, you can digest it in various formats, but um, Malcolm Gladwell's Blink was a book I read and really kind of stayed with me for a long time. And I always come back to it. I'm really intrigued with decision-making and, uh, and human psychology. I'm interested in my own decision-making and I'm interested in other people's decision-making, obviously being a, a marketer. So, and I think, you know, all fellow marketers can probably, you know, relate to this. Um, in this book, he talks about the concept of thin slicing and, you know, to, to use an, an IT term, it's about like passing away all the unnecessary bits of information and just keeping the absolute most succinct, important, retaining the most important piece of information in your subconscious. And, and you, you naturally do this when you go into a room, when you meet a new person, when you pose with a problem. Um, he also talks in the book about you can, you can tell more about someone in 15 minutes by looking at the contents of their bedroom than you can from, you know, spending a few hours talking to them. And that, that to me is, is a really good abstract of what thin slicing is about. Um, and as a marketer, we often walk into problems or situations. We, we're given, you know, put on the spot in a board meeting, 
we've got this problem, how will we solve it? And, and you really kind of use your thin slicing. That's where it really comes into the fore and you're like, okay, and this is what I know. This is, you know, sort of how I deal with this situation. And you also would use it every day in everyday life situations. Like, as I said, meeting a person, what, what makes us trust people, like people, you know, you go into interview, how do you size someone up? You're using this every day. And that's, that then blends into that whole concept of gut feel. A lot of young people would say to me, you know, oh, I did this, but I didn't feel right about it. I took the job or I went and did that interview and I, I kind of agreed to this, but didn't feel right. Well, that's your gut feel is right. That's initial sense that is coming from your subconscious and you should, you should always listen to your gut feel. It, well, in good measure, obviously weighing it up with sort of, you know, analysis and having a, having a good think and making sure there's not bias there or, you know, you could be falling prey to. Okay. Question number two, if you could, and you've already given a couple of advices, but if you could go only give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? Yeah. Be creative and experiment. I think it is good to play it safe and it is good to try, obviously work on the tried path, but we're in a really exciting point in history now where COVID has opened up this amazing world where digitization is just front and center. People are working from home. People are not really allowed to go out and do stuff, you know, not in my home city of Sydney right now for the last couple of months, you can't go out um, to attend a live event. So everything is through this, this, this digital portal. So as a marketer, you have really, you know, a new, a new superpower. You can help take, take charge of this new digital landscape, help your sales team connect with customers. So I really think the way to, to, to do this successfully is to be creative and to engage, to experiment, you know, understand even though, you know, everyone's at home and there's a million emails and webinars going out, people are still people. They want to have something, a message that resonates with them, something that makes them feel, something that makes them connect. So yeah, the only way you can do that is knowing your customer really well, but also being creative, being bold, experimenting. I love it. Creative and experimentation. Mm. Number three, well, who are some of the influencers in the, in, the, in the kind of B2B or marketing or sales space that you follow? I don't really follow sales or marketing like gurus per se. I think for me, I'm, I'm more interested in following technologists. And, and this is because realistically, we're in a space where it's evolving so fast. Stuff that I was, you know, studying my MBA back a couple of years ago is now completely mainstream. And that was very, you know, kind of not mainstream prior and it was considered you know, future, future stuff. So I really think if you're in tech, uh, follow as many technologists as possible. One, uh, one influencer I follow is Bernard Ma. He writes a lot about AI and um, big data and he's on LinkedIn. You can follow him. He has some really good, he has some really good posts. And on the other topic around, yeah, or the other question around um, sales or marketing influencers, I really feel like maintaining, cultivating your own network is really important. So I, I have a lot of fellow marketers, fellow engineers, evangelists. I sort of just bounce things off and I maintain a really good sort of uh, working relationship with. And I think that collaboration is, is really especially important. I mean, 
certainly during COVID, a lot of marketers whispering to each other like, oh, how are you you know, tackling this? Or how are you tackling Zoom fatigue? And how are you tackling, you know, digital fatigue? Because, you know, maybe we're not getting the same responses with the same, you know, the same tools before. So, yeah, I really think building that network, um, having someone you can bounce and sanity check off is, is really vital because in the end of the day, you could follow a million sales gurus, but you could be in the midst of a really tricky problem and you're like, I just need to, you know, get someone else's picked or someone I admire and, and I really trust. So yeah, I'd say yeah, that. And then one, one call just, just makes all your, all your problems go away and they just like say one thing and you're like, oh, wow. Yes. Uh, just like it all fits all of a sudden together. No, I, I love it. Last question. Last question, Jay, is what is it? What is something that excites you today about, about B2B? Something that excites me. I don't think it's one particular thing. I think the whole market is just it's just a really exciting space to be in. I mean, I've been at nearly 20 years and I can't imagine myself leaving. There's just so much rapid change, so much adoption of new tools, new technologies. You know, as I said before, COVID has made the world a, a much closer place to digitalization. It also has made really golden opportunity for marketers, as I said, to really own that you know, building that relationship with the customer from, you know, first interaction all the way through to transactions. So I, I just think it's just such an exciting time for marketers and for B2B marketers. And as I said, you know, technology, MarTech stack is just continue to evolve and become so much more sophisticated. You know, from when I first started in uh, in consumer tech, my first role was putting ads in, um, in IT magazines, like print ads through to now with, you know, really advanced ABM software and, um, and you know, personalization and targeting, uh, digital targeting tools. Like it's just, it's completely changed. So I just can't imagine what the next 20 years will be like, but I think it's really exciting. Jade, there's been a lot of insight over here and you just, you, you dropped so many advices. I, uh, I think a lot of our listeners are going to find this super valuable. And, uh, and I just want to say thank you so much for, uh, for jumping on the pod and, and having this conversation. I really enjoyed it. No, I really enjoyed it too. Thanks, uh, Sheen. And if anyone wants to connect and ask me any questions or get any advice, I do mentor a lot of uh, young marketers. So I'm absolutely happy for, to accept any questions on LinkedIn. Sounds good. So we'll, we'll, we'll add your uh, LinkedIn URL as well in the, uh, in the show notes. And uh, as, as you said, anyone interested can definitely reach out. Jade, thanks a lot for, for coming on and look forward to uh, future conversations. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.